Hello and welcome to Energy Extra Time. I'm Sean McGill and as always I'm joined by my co-host Cameron Wanstall. How are you mate? I'm good, yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, But it's a bit of a different show for us today. It's not a Thursday, we usually record. We're recording on a Tuesday today and thankfully for me there's more than just us two. Uh, today we're joined by Struan Garvey and Jack Donnelly. How are you, boys? Not too bad, mate. How are you? Not bad at all. Aye, just it's quite a nice day today, isn't it? Well, it was. Um, it's getting a bit dark here now. I, I'm grey skies on the west coast. To be oh, fair, no. I've not really had a look in of sun at all. Usual, yeah, so. usual for the west coast. To be fair, high standard. I'm grey with a bit of lights poking through at the moment. It's not too bad. Not too <laughs> bad. Uh, we'll start with the big news that this. Scottish Premiership season is officially over. We have to start with you, Cameron Wanstall. Um, when you, <laughs> when you, <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to dig in early on. It's only a couple of minutes in, but I need to do it. I need to do it. Um, when you read the words "Heart of Midlothian have been relegated to the Scottish Championship," how do you feel, pal? Uh, I just, I just can't be bothered. No, I just <laughs> put it simple as that. It's. I've been expelled, by the way. I'm I'm not having this relegated nonsense. Like, it's still, it's, it's really cringy, but it's it really it's the case. Like you can't say a team's been relegated when you've not played the whole season. It's just don't get me wrong. We've been. I just want to get this out here straight away. We've been awful. We deserve to go down more than Ake's mm. or Saint Mirren, but we have just. You still can't say a team goes down when you've not completed the season. They haven't had a fair chance to keep themselves up, and I just so that's my opinion on it. I mean, as you said though, Hearts have only won four games this Premiership season, it has been an abysmal season and they have been so much worse than everyone else in the league, so um, as you call a season and obviously teams are going to feel hard done by in this situation, it's Hearts, can you find any sort of uh, levelling in that or is it just a bit too bitter still? Um, Maybe it's what we need to be fair, obviously, I know Levine will probably rightfully get all the all the hate directed at him, along with like Austin McPhee, John Daly and such, but um, other people need to take some blame as well, and Budge, Daniel Stendhal, most of the players, a lot of players have been injured this season, We've, I think a lot of people forget we've had like a, a really, really bad injury crisis, not just this season, but last season too, we've not had Peter Haran all season, John Souter's missed half the season, uh, so it's Halkett, um, so many key players have been um, injured all season, and the ones that have played need to take some of the blame as well, because even without some of your key players, they've just been terrible. They just haven't been at the standard of Heart Midlothian. And um, I think going down, if we sort of rebuild for next season, like we did in 2014, you got to remember, we came back up in 2014 out of administration. We had Hibs, we had Rangers in the same division, and we won it by Easter. It was it was the easiest season in our history, probably. And um, if we can do something of the sort this time around as well, the fans will get behind the team again, and hopefully it'll be a brighter future. And Jack, uh, Neil Lennon was saying yesterday after uh, Celtic were crowned champions of Scotland for the ninth successive time that it's Celtic who have been the harshest done by by the curtailing of the season as they don't get to celebrate um, this title win. Would you buy into that? Do you think Celtic are the harshest done team in Scotland by this? There's not a chance anybody could buy into that, surely, <laughs> just because they don't get to have a trophy parade for a couple of trophies that they've won. They've still won the trophies at the end of the day. I mean, they can't really have an argument for being the harshest done by when you've got clubs like Hearts and you've got like uh, Kelty and Broda who are obviously kind of going through the motions of it at the moment. So, I mean, there's not really a leg to stand on with that comment from Lennon, in all honesty. I don't, I don't get why he said that at all. And they seem to be all be getting 
I think they went to Lennox Town and they all had pictures with the trophy and stuff like that, so they still got a pretty good celebration. Or either that, right. or I'm, somebody was sell, sending the trophy around to folks' front gardens and stuff like that. Because I saw a picture of Greg say, Taylor saw, in the trophy. I Greg Taylor. I was uh, about to say Greg Taylor. Uh-huh. They must have pre-planned this, surely, because I mean, there's a bit of a celebration, but boardroom celebrations, a number of people will call it. So I think we should just leave it there. And. There's a lot of other good stories coming out at the end of the season. Uh, Motherwell finishing uh, third space, that, that's been confirmed. Livingston had a fantastic season there up in fifth. And the only sort of positional reversion that's happened in this time is uh, Hibs are now down to seventh after swapping with St Johnston. Struan, what's your sort of uh, biggest takeaways from this, this season since it's now been called to a finish? I think it's definitely going to be one that will go down in everybody's memory, obviously, for what has happened. But I think it's been quite nice to see teams like Motherwell kind of break into the top half away from your usual suspects and stuff and I'm, I'm just looking at the table now and it's it's just quite cool when you see St Johnson in 6th but they've got 36 points and then Hibs below them on 37 and it just, it, that alone just looks so strange but I think that perfectly sums up how odd this whole situation has been just absolutely crazy but I, th- I think a lot of teams will be hard done by and I, I just can't believe like Lennon's comment. And have you seen that? Have you seen the Lee Griffiths TikTok? No, I haven't. Tell me about the it. one. Do you know the? Do you know the SpongeBob when it, like the person walks in and it's all, oh, "Why are you not in uniform?" Yeah, yeah. He just walks in in casual clothes, then he walks out and he comes back in with this Celtic strip and the medal and just kind of stares at the camera. Oh, and I'm, and I'm, just like, I'm a huge fan of Griffiths. I think he's a really good striker, but I just. Oh, I, I couldn't. That's horrendous. Struggled watching that, to be honest. Lee Griffiths was a That's great laugh him. on um, on Open Goal the other week. Uh, so I think he did a, a um, went a long way in sort of enhancing his reputation. That a lot of people don't think too highly of Lee Griffiths as a person. He was a great laugh on that, but I'm not sure about the the TikTok part. Um, I, feel, I feel that's the club's kind of told him to do that because I think it, I think it was on Celtic's TikTok, not oh, yeah, his yeah. personal one. So. Oh. Jesus, that's even worse. Uh, if my wow. week wasn't already ruined, it is now. <laughs> You're saying that, Cameron, but there's still a little bit of hope. Is it false hope? There's sort of more talks about reconstruction, and Hearts have been very forceful in a statement yesterday saying um, basically that if reconstruction isn't pushed forward, there will be serious uh, legal action t- taken. Have you got any hope at all, or do you think that's it? Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up just because of everything's went against us. Don't get me wrong again, our fault, but everything's went against us the last few weeks, so I'm not getting my hopes up myself, but I think it's the first thing Ambudge has done correctly in the last little while since all this has kicked off. Um, Obviously, she's came out and said that a legal battle would cost us less than relegation, so we have to go for it. If they don't reconstruct, we have to um, see them in court kind of thing. Um, I, I, they've said this time the keyword us on the statement was that she did say temporary she didn't say it would be any sort of permanent change or it could be permanent, this would be a temporary fix I think you could maybe do like a 13-10-10-10 a system or even a 14-10-10-10 system um, and sort of relegate teams back down so it's back to a normal 12 then 3 divisions of 10 and I, I don't see any downside to that the only reason it will get shot down is because teams might lose a little bit more money than usual if they have 14 teams in the top division um, I don't think the likes of Celtic and Rangers want that when they can just say no, we want you relegated um, one less threat kind of thing um, but we'll see what happens um, it, it seems to change all the time and it could be shot dead by tomorrow so we'll see I sort of have an issue with that logic of um, relegation will cost more than a legal battle because surely that's only the case if you win the legal battle 
because then you'd have relegation yeah. and the cost of legal fees. So yeah, she'd have to I be well. absolutely convinced that she would win a case in court. Yeah. Well, I, I think we'd have a good chance to be fair, but it's it's hard, isn't it? So, like I've said, I'm not getting my hopes up. I could see us blowing a couple of million on a legal battle and then still getting relegated and the fans off to bail the club out again. But um, that would happen either way. Um, so hopefully it all works out for us. My biggest hope out of all of this is BBC Scotland are somehow still rolling their cameras for that Inside Tynecastle documentary because it would oh, just be no. such oh, good view. Please. Forget the last no. dance, that <laughs> would be incredible. the sporting documentary <laughs> of our time. That would be incredible. Even you I get can't that one and it. Spurs getting filmed the same year. I know, it's so the year they've had as well. It's going to be so, such good viewing when it comes out. Can't wait for that. Um, we'll get on to the return of live football, something we've been waiting for for a very long time. Obviously, there was no fans in the stadium. How did we all find it, Jack? Did, was it really jarring for you? Obviously, we had a little taster of it just before the lockdown in the Champions League in some competitions. Uh, how did you find it watching over the weekend? It seemed a bit contradictory of itself, in a way, because you see the subs all sitting spaced out on the bench and you see everyone wearing masks off the pitch, but then someone comes on and is just like, going into a sliding challenge against someone and battling for the ball in the air. It, didn't really seem to make much sense to have everybody that spread out when they're all going to be coming together on the pitch anyway. But I still enjoyed it for what it was. It was football, which we've not had for a couple of months now. And from some of the games that we saw, it was actually some high-quality football. I mean, Dortmund-Schalke, which just about everyone will have watched since a pick of the half-two kickoffs, was really, really good fun to watch. Um, albeit a bit men against boys when you look at the matchup and the final score, but... I think, I think it's just going to take a little bit of getting used to not hearing as much uh, crowd noise and backing as you would normally, but it's football's back and you can't really complain about it. Yeah, Struan, there's that um, iconic picture now of uh, Haaland celebrating with all the Dortmund players spaced out. Do you think that we'll get used to these sorts of images and this new way of football, or do you think that a lot of fans will just be completely turned off until uh, their spectators back in the stadiums? I think at the moment there's a lot of people who say oh it's rubbish and there will be people who watch but I think eventually people will just start to watch it anyway even if they, they're against the no fans just because it's football at the end of the day and I, I like people saying that that photo probably is going to become one of the most iconic in football history of the empty stadium the Dortmund fans celebrating and then Haaland's interview at the end of the game as well Like I'd, I'd never really watched any of his interviews in the past but he's absolutely brilliant in them I think I was going to get onto that later on, but we may as well talk about that just now. Uh, as sports journalists, I'm sure we'd all quite like the idea of a player really cooperating with us and having a good chat, and he just doesn't seem to be doing that. Uh, Cameron, what's your take on that? Do you think it's some people have called it ignorant um, from Haaland? Uh, maybe it is a little, but I think it wasn't exactly not to say anything about the journalist, it wasn't exactly like an exciting question or it was kind of a yes or no question. He was just asking them, was I just about like the team or how they were dealing with it? I can't quite remember, but I just sort of remember thinking like, well, what else can he answer to that? Uh, I just, I feel like I, I wouldn't be disrespected if I got that response back if I'd asked that question to him. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone's seen the full clip on Twitter, but he does give sort of fuller answers earlier on in the interview. And as it goes on, he gets a bit sort of, and so it's only the last maybe 30 seconds you see there but it's a two minute mm-hmm. um, interview and a lot of other journalists have stood up for Erling Haaland and said that when they've uh, spoke to him before he's been uh, much more responsive so it may yeah. just be a case of that what It reminded s- me quite a bit of like an Ibrahimovic almost sort of like there's a bit of arrogance to it 
Because nah, I, I don't see it as that. Questions I don't really see it as that. that. Well, I, th- I think it's just a case of him. He's 19 years old, and he's kind of been thrust into the uh, kind of spotlight very, very quickly this season. I think it's just kind of taken a bit of time to actually get used to being interviewed on a regular basis. And I suppose you kind of do need to have that head on your shoulders when you're coming across perhaps subpar questioning. Because, I mean, I think the one was, uh, why did you go over and celebrate to the empty stand? And I think he just responded, well, why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fair, it's yeah. a fair answer. <laughs> so, I mean, exactly. I think I just think give him time and he'll kind of, people get used to him. Because I found it quite funny, if anything. It's the way he sprints away at the end of the interviews as well. Like, as soon as he says, <laughs> thank you, yeah, he's <laughs> gone. To be fair, that's probably it as well. Like, you go imagine, it's like a young kid who's just beat his arch rivals 4-0 on a derby. He just probably wants to celebrate with his team. It's the idea of like having to go to a drugs test after a game as well. You're you're locked away from them. Like he just wants to celebrate and can't really be bothered answering questions for more than one minute. So yeah. I think Especially that's fair, said, to be like, fair. Questions that are like yes or no, he's probably just can't be bothered getting them. Yeah, to get away with the team. And Cameron, have you got any thoughts from the the start of the empty arena era? Uh, no, I think guys made great good points. Like it was a bit weird. The subs all spaced out with masks on. It felt a little bit not much. I know this is really important, but it's like you said. Like, as soon as you go into the pitch, you're going to be swapping sweat or spit or whatever. Like it's something you're going to have contact. So it shouldn't be that dramatic. Um, I feel, but it, it was good to have football back, even if it was silence apart from the shows, uh, the players and coaches shouting. It was a uh, good to have it back. Well, we'll start talking about. Um, the game we were just alluding to there in a bit more detail. Dortmund thrashed their local rival Schalke 4-0 at the Signal Iduna Park. Uh, Struan, just how impressed were you by Dortmund in this game? I was really impressed with Dortmund, considering the injuries they've had. You know, they're missing three, four key players, but they, st- they looked... At the start of the game, it did kind of look, yeah, they've been away for a while, but then they just sort of grew into it, and then you could just see, you know, that this is a very, very good young side. They were helped a bit by the Schalke goalkeeper, but... I think overall it was a very like good performance and I think the title race is definitely going to be exciting now. And I, th- I think a lot of neutral fans as well would have watched that game with no real input and watching Dortmund would have said, yeah, this is a really fun team to watch. You know, I, I don't really have any preference over a team, but I enjoy watching Dortmund. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Struan alluded to it there, Cameron, but he was talking about the performance of Marcus Schubert in the Schalke goal. Um, as a Hearts fan, you've seen some absolutely horrendous goalkeeping this season, so I thought you'd be best placed to speak about his performance and uh, what went so wrong there. Yeah, he just, he just didn't, he didn't look confident, did he? Also, I'm sure he's all know the story by now about how it's Alex Newbold's signed a pre-contract with Bayern. He's been completely dropped from the team, just completely uh, ostracised. And they've brought in this young kid to be their first team goalkeeper. And he's just not ready. He, he just... He didn't look confident on the ball. Obviously, I think it was maybe the second goal. Yeah, the second goal. Um, Haaland closed him down. He had so much time and he still just put it right to a Dortmund midfielder. They came up and scored. Obviously, the third goal, we don't need to speak about it. It was literally right at him. He's practically dived out of the way of the ball. Um, he just he looked like he was a deer caught in the headlights. He just he, he shouldn't have been on the pitch for a game like Dortmund-Schalke, in my opinion. Does that give you PTSD from watching Joe Pereira all season? I don't think I'll ever see a goalkeeper worse than Joe Pereira. Never, <laughs> never. Yves <laughs> McAlambie was better than him. <laughs> he is shocking. I, I saw on Twitter there was a line in the Daily Mail recently that um, Joe Pereira had been continuing his development at Hearts uh, and was Super. heading back to Old Trafford. I, I don't know what sort of development you'd call that, but um, 
Yeah, he won't be remembered fondly at times. He's got. He's he genuinely to go off topic. He has got progressively worse as the season came on. His first one or two games, he was actually quite good, and then maybe it's a confidence thing. But wow, he is god awful. We'll maybe talk about some better players now, uh, Jack. Who in that Dortmund team really stood out to you on a Saturday afternoon? I mean, we kind of spoke about it when we were kind of tracking the games on Saturday, but Julian Brandt had an absolutely incredible game. He really just pulled the strings in the midfield. I thought Thorgan Hazard, who was a kind of last-minute replacement for Gio Reyna, who got injured in the warm-up, he played really well and obviously got that third goal. And uh, Ashraf Hakimi, the kind of right-back, kind of wing-back guy, he was... I thought he kind of really did well. And kind of a lot of people have been seeing comparisons after... Kind of this season to um, of Hakimi and Guerrero to Alexander Arnold and Robertson from Liverpool, and those are the kind of being touted as the two kind of most effective fullback duos in Europe at the moment. And you saw that with Guerrero; he really capped it off with the fourth goal, which Haaland assisted, which really just kind of capped off the day. So it really was, as I said earlier, just kind of men against boys when it came down to it. Yeah, absolutely. Two outstanding finishes from. Um, Guerrero in that game, some really good goals from Dortmund and they'll definitely be looking to push forward in their title race speaking of which, Bayern Munich went to Union Berlin and ran out 2-0 winners in that game, Strun we'll start with you since you're such a big Bayern fan Um, (laughs) (laughs) How impressed were you by your team in this game? Well um It, was, it wasn't the best game to watch in itself. I, th- I think it was um, Graham on the Fantasy Ramble who said uh, Union Berlin are quite a almost Brexit team in the sense that they will sit back and just not the most entertaining to watch. But it was, it was a pretty good performance, to be honest. I was far more impressed with some other teams in the top five than I was with Munich. But you know what they say, you always criticise your own team more than others. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, I think... I think Union Berlin will definitely... I mean, they're not really in the relegation zone at all, to be honest. But I think... I could see them beating Hertha at the weekend. But I think, as well, Bayern... I don't think it'll be easy. I think the the Classic coming up is going to be a really good game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund do win that. But, uh, yeah, it's just... just is what it is. And, Cameron, Union started uh, the better of the two outfits, you would say, in the first 10-15 minutes... Um, how did you think that Bayern really got into the game? Who were the players who sort of uh, stamped, their, stamped their claim in that game? Yeah, I think um, probably at the back, Pavard and Davies were really good. Uh, Davies especially getting forward as well. So Pavard got the second goal too. But I thought Nabry. I thought Nabry had a really good game. Um, like Bayern just kind of looked rusty as a team. They didn't really gel properly. Whereas like Dortmund, they've came back and just blew the doors wide open. But they've Bayern came back looked a little bit rusty, but professional enough and good enough to get the job done um, Union probably, they certainly didn't do themselves a disservice but one or two players like Alfonso Davies, Serge Nabry really just started to take them apart piece by piece and started creating a lot of chances giving Byron that confidence back and um, showed with an easy 2-0 victory And Jack having seen Byron and Dortmund over the weekend in this new sort of um, restart of the season uh, would you say that either one sort of you would put your money on to win the title so far or would you still say it's going to be pretty closely run I think it's going to be still quite closely run because what we've seen ever since Hansi Flick took over in December is that Bayern just don't lose 
really since after, after that kind of 5-1 dismantling that Frankfurt delivered them that saw um, Ansi Flick end up taking the job they just don't lose so I think it'll come down to a bit of luck if Dortmund do end up winning the title because I do still think that they are a very very uh, talented side and they have everything about them that could be classified as a title winning squad but I think it's just going to come down to a little bit of luck because I think they're four points behind if I'm right there with 10 games to go so it's going to come down to the wire if there is going to be a push Would anyone say in terms of world football we still kind of underrate this Bayern team because I mean the talent they have on paper is absolutely ridiculous I don't know if there's a better double pivot in world football than Thiago and Kimmich I thought they just absolutely bossed that game um, particularly after the first 15 minutes and the cutting edge up at front that we spoke about Nabry, Lewandowski, Müller, Goretzka and they're looking to add players like Kai Havertz and Leroy Sané and uh, whenever they can make transfers do you think we still sort of don't appreciate them as a real powerhouse in modern world football? I think uh, yeah, at the team on I'd paper, say that So you go ahead man I was just going to say you know, like when, you, when you look at like the team on paper and like who they can bring off the bench it's almost you know like what you'd say like what Man City are in the Premier League you know every single player on that bench you could say is top class and quality and one of the things I noticed with Bayern is they're missing like probably the two central defenders in Hernandez and Sule who picked up injuries and I'd probably say out of the out of the game at the weekend I'd say Jerome Boateng just for me didn't look as good I think there was one moment when the ball came in and he just kind of scuffed it back to Neuer when the ball got whipped across and Alaba's effectively is playing out of position but I don't think he'll be back in the left back spot anytime soon purely on Alfonso Davis but I think um, if there was a season for the Champions League because Bayern are always kind of put in as favourites but you never really expect them to win if that makes sense you know they're just kind of in there for namesake but I think this season they definitely could have won the Champions League I mean they dismantled Chelsea and yeah Julian what were you going to say Cameron? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I should just say first, I agree with Boateng there. I feel like he's only still in the team because he has such good players around him, like David Alaba and Alfonso Davis, sort of not clean up his mess, but he's not as quick as them. They sort of cover him. So I agree with Strew in there. But I was just going to say that I feel like this is the Bayern team that could rival the quadruple winning side in 2013. But I think they're sort of missing the the. They still have Neuer, but they're missing Philip Lamb, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Tony Cruz, all like homegrown academy players maybe that's the reason they're not respected in the same vein as them but I think this I agree that Bayern could have went on won the Champions League this season I think they'll still win the Bundesliga even if Dortmund pushed them right to the end or any of the other teams around them but and they've just got such good like quality and depth they just it's like you said with Man City they can just anyone comes off the bench and they're still a top top side that on paper rivals any other good team in Europe like Liverpool or City or Barcelona um hundred percent. And Jack, you would have saw this Bayern team uh, really dominate a Chelsea back at Stamford Bridge uh, mm-hmm. before the um, before the stoppage of the season. Uh, where would you would you sort of put them in the echelons of world football at the moment? This team. Well, I'm not. Thank you for reminding me of that night. But um, I think they do have to be up there. I mean, you just look at the sheer talent they've got in the squad. Considering they were losing, they lost players like Frank Ribery and Arjen Robin last season, who uh, ended up being club legends for them, and they were so quick to replace them. Serge Gnabry's really come into his own this season, as we saw with the game at Stamford Bridge and the game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium back in October November time. I, 
probably top five teams in uh, world football quite easily, maybe pushing top three. Um, I don't really think there's much wrong with the team. Maybe the kind of veterans of the side, you look at Boating, as Cameron Stewart have both said, maybe trying to find replacements for him, but they're always looking and they're, they're always planning ahead for the future, looking at the likes of uh, Havertz, who's only 20, to bring in. So I think they are a very, very well-run club and have maintained such a level of success for a reason. We've spoken about the two giants of German football so far, but the new kids on the block who have been really impressing everyone this season are RB Leipzig. Uh, they drew one all at home to Freiburg. Cameron, Leipzig looked really good in this game, but just couldn't quite find that the end product. Uh, will they be disappointed not to come away with a win here? Uh, surely, yeah, definitely. Uh, they they had all the chances. I think the stats when I checked, I think they had eight shots compared to Freiburg's one, or maybe it was six to one. Um, when Freiburg got the opener, like a a nice goal, but a quite lucky flick on. Um, and the amount of chances they they spurned, uh, I think it was Forsberg or Sabitzer had an easy rebound that he just fluffed. Um, Werner had a few chances. Adamola Lukman had probably the disaster class of his career so far. Um, they definitely should have came away with three points here, but Freiburg held on. Yeah, like Cameron said there, it was uh, nine shots on target to two by the end of the game, 61% possession yeah. to to Leipzig. Uh, Jack, we, we spoke about Freiburg could maybe do something here in the Fantasy Ramble at the end of last week. Were you impressed by them in this game? Mm-hmm. I really was, in all honesty. I didn't see as much of them as a number of other people. I know Graham, he picked up their game over the Dortmund game because so many of us were watching that, but I think it's a testament to Freiburg to be able to hold a team like Leipzig for so long in the game and make them kind of fight back and end up equalising later on, which they might feel a bit hard done by, as was already said, but I think they're sitting in 7th just now, they're only 2 points off Wolfsburg in 6th, so depending on how the rest of the season goes for them, I could see them clinching a European place come the end of it. And Stuart, a lot of fans in Britain, particularly Liverpool fans, might have watched this game for the performance of Timo Werner. Did he really stand out to you from what you saw of this game, or do you think he was a bit subdued? Um, from I, I was similar to Jack. I only sort of caught the end, but from what I've seen, it was a bit subdued because I, th- I think he's almost at that stage now where, when you come up against the team, you know you identify that danger man. He's just going to be marked off the pitch. And I think a lot of the chances that, that I saw from the game were falling to the likes of Lukman and Poulsen over him. But um, I, I do think he'll end up at Liverpool sometime, and he's a good striker. But yeah, I, I think he was just kind of marked out of the game, to be honest, from what I saw. I've always wondered about um, Timo Werner's suitability to Liverpool, because he's, he really hugs that sort of left channel, where mm-hmm. Sadio Mane often ocu- occupies, especially when Andy Robertson's flying up that wing. So I don't know how that would work. Firmino's sort of one who uh, drops deep and sort of links the play, and I don't know that that's particularly Werner's game, mm. so I'd be interested to see him at Anfield and how he fits in tactically, especially considering you wouldn't expect Liverpool to sort of be replacing any of that front three anytime soon. That's why um, Jurgen Klopp said that well. Like he said, if we're going to bring in players, we don't want like carbon copies. We don't want we don't want another Sadio Mane. They want like something else that gives them another dimension to their threat. So maybe it's they're bringing in these sort of players like Timo Werner and they're going to change up their tactics a bit more often, maybe have more than one tactic to go to like a plan B um, but I'm not sure how any of them will feel getting benched over each other so we'll see how long that lasts. And it was another impressive performance from the one of the top four sides later on on Saturday as Borussia Mönchengladbach beat Eintracht Frankfurt 3-1 away uh, 
Gladbach started this game absolutely flying Jack. I mean, Alisson players scored within 40 seconds and then Marcus Turam uh, doubled their lead in the seventh minute. They looked to be the sharpest of the teams who'd featured so far, didn't they? Absolutely. I mean, they got those two early goals and then just settled into the game but were still controlling. And while it was a bit of a, perhaps not as good a watch after those first 10 minutes, it still was entertaining from a Mönchengladbach point of view because they really just did control the game and just let it play out as it did and further extended the lead and kind of later on with the penalty that uh, Ben Sebaini scored and that was kind of game set and match after that point. Uh, Frankfurt did do well to battle back and Andre Silva got the con- ended up just being a consolation goal but for those last 10 minutes, they looked like they might be able to kind of claw their way back into it and maybe force an equaliser, at least another goal. But it wasn't to be Gladbach held solid and were perhaps maybe the surprise of the weekend for how well how good they looked. Yeah, Strun, did you get the sense that Frankfurt were going to get back into that game? It was the 81st minute where Silva pulled one back. Did you sort of get the feeling that they might be able to nick something? I didn't really think so. Just just how well Munchen Gladbach had been defending, they just seem like the kind of team that as soon as they do get that lead, it's every man behind the ball and catch you on the counter attack. And it did work really effectively. But it was when Hinteregger made that block on the line, and I think that's probably the best off the line clearance I think I've ever seen. I was desperate for Frankfurt to come back, just so like that block would be almost more publicised as as the game changer. But I, I couldn't really see Frankfurt getting back into the game. They just looked pretty lacklustre up front I didn't see anything out of Baz Dost to be honest I think it was a bit of a shame there but yeah, yeah. that was disappointing another um, sort of star performer in this game I thought was um, Jan Sommer he didn't have too much to do but when he did he really performed we spoke about bad keepers uh, Cameron uh, do you think some people have been touting him for a bigger move to sort of an elite club could you see that in the future who who did you say Sean you cracked up a little bit Jan Sommer sorry Jan Sommer yeah definitely I think for a few seasons now he's been a really top goalkeeper, one of those ones that goes underrated. Um, unfortunately, I feel like he's the sort of keeper that might get picked up by a like a PSG or a Real Madrid and not be used all the time, kind of like a um, Kevin Trapp sort of deal. But no, I think he could definitely get a big move uh, in the summer if he, well, maybe not in the summer, but next summer even. Um, it's, I'd love to see him in the Premier League. I think he'd really hold his own. Um, but if he stayed in the Bundesliga, even at a team like Gladbach, he can get success there. So um, it's up to him. Yeah, and the last of the the five title contenders that's been sort of framed in this really exciting title race going into this restart, uh, Bayer Leverkusen on Monday night beat Werder Bremen four one away. Uh, a lot of people to watch tuned into this game to see Kai Havertz, see what, what all the fuss was about. Uh, do you think they got their money's worth in terms of uh, the youngster? Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. He looked incredible. I think he was the captain as well, which I didn't actually know he was. I don't know if he's the first choice captain, but I think he was captain on the day, and he just looked really good all round. But I, I, I would have to say that the Verdebrain in defence was probably the worst I'd seen all weekend. Just with three headers they conceded, and and, and the second one especially, it just looked like the defence forgot to mark anyone. It was effectively woeful. Yeah, Jack. I was going to get onto that. The the, the defence was really put in this game and especially when a team is down at the bottom of the table like Werder Bremen are you'd expect at least a bit more fight to sort of clear these crosses and um, especially at set pieces to really uh, clear the ball do you think that's going to be a concern for the um, the relegation stricken team going forward? Well it seems like if it's not going to get cut out with 10, with ten games to go it's not going to get cut out at all um, I think 
as kind of was mentioned earlier in the week when we did the uh, fantasy ramble on Thursday, they were the very have really been heavily relying on their top scorer Rashika to kind of get them the goals and kind of put them into a better position. But when it's textbook defending that they can't even complete realistically, I don't think there's much hope going forward. And when you look at them, they're um, four points behind Dusseldorf and eight points off safety altogether. So, or eight points of getting out of the relegation zone, rather. So I think if something doesn't click soon, they are almost destined for a second-tier football next season, which is a shame for a club like Bremen who have such a history in the top flight. And Cameron, this win puts Bayer Leverkusen just one point outside the top four. Do you think they can break in? We've been impressed by all the other teams. Do you think they'll end up in the Champions League spots this year or do you think they'll have to make do with Europa League football? Uh, it's possible, yeah. I think I think if you were to guess who'd be in the top four, you would say they'd fall out and come fifth place. But, but as we've seen with leaps, like anything can happen uh, behind closed doors. Teams can slip up that easily. So if Bayer play like they do, like they did against, admittedly, a poor uh, Werder Bremen team, they can definitely get in the top four. And we spoke about how um, Baylor Bremen must be worried about their status in the Bundesliga, but two teams who are definitely in that same conversation, Fortuna Dusseldorf and Paderborn, played out a, a 0-0 draw on Saturday. I can feel the tension because nobody wants to talk about these two teams, but um, <laughs> I'll, st- I'll stick with our relegation expert, Cameron Monstow. Um, how- <laughs> Which of the two sides would be more disappointed by this result? Uh, definitely Paderborn. I think Dusseldorf will just take any sort of scrap they can get. There'll be this point not to be a team, admittedly, but um, if they just keep picking up points like that, with Bremen playing the way they're playing, and Paderborn, who are pretty poor, they'll feel that they can stay above them, no problem. If they just keep picking up little draws, maybe a win here and there, um, even just one win by the end of the season, I think there's maybe was there like several games left. Um, Fortunately, Dusseldorf, they'll definitely feel better about that game. And languishing just above the relegation zone is Mainz. They came back from two goals down to draw 2-0 with Cologne. Struan, do you think which team will be more disappointed in that case? Because Cologne obviously had the command and lead at two, go- two goals up, but then Mainz were really on a, a good head of steam going into the sort of closing stages of that game. I, I think I'd, I'd go and say Cologne purely based on they were 2-0 up and they threw it away. The, the second Mainz goal was just a good solo run, but and just kind of watching it back, it almost looked like he just sort of ran in a straight line. Yeah, the, the defender wasn't great, was it? <laughs> no, it was not good at all. I, I think that's probably if you, like there'll be highlights in each game of you know like the rustiness. I think that one sort of tips it being being two 0 up and then just sort of throwing away. But not to take too much away from minds because it was really impressive to come back and it is a huge result for them given Dusseldorf and uh, well especially Dusseldorf dropping points of the weekend as well will definitely give them relaxation I guess a bit more just take the ease off edge off yeah absolutely and I was disappointed to find out that I spoke about it on the Fantasy Ramble the GOAT wasn't allowed into this game no mascots allowed so there must have been a concern about the GOAT carrying the virus or something that's shocking yeah it was wow can we cancel football again just Uh, for that that's just shocking (laughs) if the the GOAT's not allowed then what's the point Uh, you're absolutely right Another game we were we were looking forward to was uh, Hoffenheim against Hertha, two clubs we spoke about on the Fantasy Ramble as being sort of in transition, really sort of trying to uh, find their place in the Bundesliga. It was Hertha ran out three 0 winners in this game, Jack. Uh, mm. f- the, from some pretty good goals in this game as well. Uh, Hertha will be now seem to sort of out the conversation of uh, relegation. Would you agree with that? 
Well, I think if this song was kind of the hallmark for it, I would say so. I mean, you say impressive goals. Matthias Cunha kind of wrapped up the three points with a third goal with an incredible solo effort, out-muscling and out-performing the um, Hoffenheim defender. I can't recall who it was exactly that was marking him, but shoved him off and breezed past the rest to tuck it away. And I think, honestly, when we were talking about it, Leipzig probably could have done with him a bit more than Timo Werner on Saturday, considering how well he performed when he came on for Hertha after he got transferred in January. So I, I, I would probably put money on Hertha staying up. Um, I'll have a look at their run quickly, because they've still got a few tough games. They've got to go to Leipzig and Dortmund, and then have to host Leverkusen before playing Gladbach away on the final day of the season. So it's going to be a hard, hard challenge to stay up considering how many of the top five they've got to play. I mean, that's um, four of the top five. But I think they probably do have enough, in all honesty, to stay in the division for another year at least. And Cameron, it was really disappointing um, from an Augsburg pers- perspective uh, on Saturday as well when they conceded a late winner to Wolfsburg. And they're just above that relegation zone as well. Would you be worried for them psychologically as well after that uh, late defeat? Yeah, probably. I think Wolfsburg were probably for the taking. Um, they certainly thought of the games they have left, that'd be one they have an okay chance of winning, but Stefan's header to open the score run was, I think it was in the second half, a great header by the way. Um, sort of put a dampener on it and um, they actually did go ahead, but it got disallowed and then Wolfsburg won it in the last minute, so that's a real sucker punch for them. They'll be really demoralised by that and uh, hopefully it doesn't affect them too much going into the next few games. Yeah, they'd hope so. I'd be interested to talk about how everyone sort of watched these games in the in sense of obviously it's a very different experience without fans Jack did you find yourself maybe trying to pay more attention to tactics or maybe a specific player who you hadn't seen before you'd heard a bit about to sort of uh, make you forget about the, the lack of fans in the stadium I think for me in a house without BT Sport I was just hoping that I was just trying to focus <laughs> on making sure my stream didn't crash right. so I could actually watch the football <laughs> but no I completely agree it was a different experience altogether because it felt like you had to focus more on it almost. It wasn't as if... And it's a weird thing coming from a a potentially future sports journalist to say you had to focus on a game because obviously in our future line of work is is what we had to do. But when you're watching it as a fan and just kind of a viewer rather than needing to report on it, you can just kind of get caught up in the atmosphere. But I feel like I was watching it from a reporter's point of view and having to pick up on a lot more without actually doing any reporting on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, and strewn those. The Bundesliga is often uh, talked up for its its amount of young talent and players who big teams could should be coming in for. Um, as a fan of most big teams in world football, who who sort of stood out to you as a player you'd like to come to to one of your clubs? Uh, I th- I think if I had, if I had to pick just one, I'd probably go for Kai Havertz based on what I did see. I think at his age and everything he performed but I'd also make a big point about Alfonso Davies I think he's one who has done phenomenally well you know he's playing effectively out of position you know we'd signed him as a winger I think he's he's 19 this year and he's absolutely mm-hmm. rapid I can't, I can't remember who the recovery challenge was on in the game against Union Berlin but the person had so many yards on him and he just got back to body the ball out it was so impressive so I think those two would be the ones I'd say but Almost every team in the top five that we've talked about has that kind of talent that you know you watch specifically and who's getting talked up mm-hmm. in the media. I mean, and you, you didn't actually play at the weekend, but a lot of media was talking about Jaden Sancho, 
he was heavily linked with the move to just about every club in Europe. So I think he's another one who next week will probably get a lot more attention. And Cameron, that's a full weekend of Bundesliga fixtures done. Was there any sort of preconceptions that you had that have been changed by this, whether that be a player or a team or just the way that football would work uh, without fans in the stadium? Um, to be fair, I was surprised that not a lot of shocks happened. Um, like Freiburg holding Leipzig maybe, but I think they deserved the draw. They really did hold them off well. Uh, but every other game, it didn't seem too affected by the fans. Like Schalke still went out. And sorry, Dortmund still went out and gave a top performance as you'd expect. Bayern were just as professional as they would have been away to Union Berlin with or without fans. Um, I was shocked as well by how good Gladbach and Leverkusen were. I, I actually didn't know too much about Kai Havertz before this weekend and he was outstanding. And some Gladbach players as well, the two opening scorers, uh, Play and Marcus Turam really impressed me too. So. I think it's more, a lot of people will be surprised by how much talent is in the league and how good some of the teams are. Um, we could maybe see a sort of German-European dominance coming up because if they keep their players in Germany, that can certainly happen. And later on in the week, we'll be on the Fantasy Ramble chatting about some really exciting fixtures, the Berlin Derby, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, Bayern Munich, Eintracht Frankfurt, so some great games to look forward to as well. I'll thank you all for joining me today on Energy Extra Time. Um, if you'd like to hear us talk about those games and see how our fantasy teams got on, please do join us uh, later in the week for the Fantasy Ramble. Don't forget to subscribe to get uh, the Energy Extra Time on your feed as soon as it's released and follow us on Twitter at ENRG Extra Time. Thank you guys for joining me again and we'll see you soon. Cheers.